Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from the Quandle Studio in central Pennsylvania. Joined, as always, by fellow co-host Chris Martin on the left side of the state. Chris, what's going on today? Hey, John. Out there in the central part of the state in lovely Dillsburg, uh, it's good to see you again, and um, I'm glad to be here today. Everyone, welcome. Uh, my name is Chris Martin, and uh, you can check out Atlas Marketing at atlasstories.com, where we tell stories for people who build things. And you've heard me say it before, we got a great story to tell, we're building stuff, but we're truly building things from the ground up today, right, John? We are. We are. <laughs> yes. 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 Helping out Mother Mother Nature here today, Mother Earth. So, yes. Yes. Re- reinforced a little bit with some strength, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Our, our guest today is uh, Frank Howard from Howard Concrete Pumping. Hey, Frank, welcome. Thank you, John. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you. Thank you. Good seeing you. Our guest can't see you, but trust me, he looks great, and Chris looks great as always. So I'm like hanging out with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise here. You know, I mean, come you on. Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Frank, glad to have you on the show. We're talking AML reclamation projects. Yes. Exciting. Yeah. You're great to be here. Let's ease into this now. Let's talk about who's Frank and uh, tell us about your company a little bit, and then we'll talk about AML. Sure, sure. So Howard Concrete Pumping, it's a family-owned business. My dad uh, started the business in 1972, so uh, just celebrating our 50-year anniversary. Started as a conventional concrete pump rental service. So we rent the pumping equipment to concrete contractors, general contractors. We're talking about residential, commercial, highway work, uh, industrial work, you know, across, across the gamut. About the mid-80s, he got into the drilling and grouting work, and that's primarily what we're talking about with the AML reclamation work today. He got started with that in the mid-80s. We've segued into some more conventional drilling for uh, deep foundations also. So generically speaking, we have three parts of the business, the concrete pumping, the, uh, the foundation work, and then the mine reclamation work. And we have three offices. Pittsburgh is our home office. That's where I'm I'm at right now, and then we have an office in Cleveland and one out in St. Louis. As far as I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, I, I've been doing this my whole life, basically. Graduated Penn State in 2006, and I started doing it on a full-time basis after that. Nice. Hey, every time I hear somebody graduated from Penn State, I just want to start screaming out, we are, but I know that's not appropriate, <laughs> so I won't. But, uh, but uh, I didn't realize, in, in all honesty, Frank, I didn't realize that your company was as big as it is. Um, You know, what, if you will, what, what forced or what took you in that Western expansion to Cleveland and St. Louis? It was a, uh, a geography kind of thing and just proximity. It just made sense. It was a couple hours away from Pittsburgh, uh, similar, similar workforce, similar mentality. My dad had gone up there and done a couple big pumping jobs up there and, you know, just never, never came home in a manner of speaking. And that was in the 90s. And then we have developed quite an expertise in this mine reclamation work. And we were noticing in the Metro St. Louis area, there was quite a bit of it coming out. It, it, 
was a growth market for us. So we went out there for a large job and uh, befriended some of the local suppliers. And they said, hey, look, there's also a lot of pumping work that's that's coming. Why don't you consider consider opening up a branch? So we did that in 2008, 2009. We opened up that branch and we've been there ever since. They're all union towns. They're, they all have a some, somewhat similar work ethic and, and vibe. Uh, so very similar to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree with that. So the AML topic really got on my radar last year when the federal infrastructure legislation passed. And there was a big chunk of money in there. And a lot of that was coming to Pennsylvania. Right. I'm sure you did a little dance. You're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's- Yeah, I mean, it, it was a work in progress. The AML program, Abandoned Mine Lands program, it was started in the 70s and uh, it expired in September of uh, 2021. So we had been working, we and other advocates for the uh, for the program had been working for a number of years to get it reauthorized. Unfortunately, despite uh, bipartisan support, it, it was allowed to expire. But I think everyone was looking towards the the infrastructure and job acts as coming down the pike. And so a couple months later, it was reauthorized. And then, John, as you pointed out, they also included uh, some additional funding for it too. So all good stuff. And then concerning the actual projects, are there other safety concerns that are different than, than regular projects? Yeah. So, you know, the abandoned mine work, it takes a lot of different avenues. We could be talking polluted streams and acid mine drainage. We could be talking uh, dangerous shafts that open up in the ground. Uh, We could be talking about mine gas that's coming to the surface, mine fires, which have a whole uh, list of safety and uh, hazardous uh, sort of conditions associated with them. Mine subsidence, which is primarily where I'm interested, abandoned strip pits that are dangerous, dangerous high walls. So there's a lot of different things, a lot of different types of work that gets completed under the abandoned mine lands program. So is it safe to say no mine, no two mines are the same? Is what it sounds like. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's all, it's all a little bit different. Yep, absolutely. And and then as far as you know the work itself is this something that Howard Concrete Pumping is is going out and finding where those abandoned mines are? Can, can you I mean without sharing proprietary information, how does that come about? So you know it's a federal program, but it's primarily uh, administered by state agencies. So in Pennsylvania, it's the Department of Environmental Protection, and basically on a statewide level. They uh, maintain an inventory of known abandoned mine uh, sites and hazards. Uh, And we're talking thousands and thousands and billions of dollars, you know, to clean up everything. And the inventory is still, in fact, growing, you know, even though active mining laws have progressed a long way in the last 30 years, there's still a growing inventory of problems that they find. So they, they maintain this inventory. They prioritize it based on exactly how hazardous it is. And then once they get their funding, they decide which, which problems they're going to address. But certainly it's an, it's an issue where the demand is far greater than the supply of funding. Even with this additional funding through the Infrastructure and uh, Jobs Act, you know, there's, there's some estimates that $12, $13 billion is underfunded within the inventory of AML problems. You said 12 to 13 billion. 
is underfunded. Underfunded. That's right. The Investment Infrastructure Investment Act, I mean, they, they provided for an additional $11 billion for this type of work over 15 years. And it's still underfunded. And, you know, the inflation problems that we're seeing in the construction sectors, you know, those dollars aren't going to go as far as they intended back in November. <laughs> so. Who knew, huh? So with your company's expertise, I mean, from a business standpoint, this is a, a tremendous opportunity for, for your company. But besides the obvious environmental challenges, the, the things that you mentioned previously, what are the biggest obstacles that, that you're running into? Is it, is it possibly workforce? Is it training? You know, like, like once you have a job, what's, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing? Well, I mean, traditionally speaking, you know, in my 15, 16 years, it's always been workforce. There, there's, this is no secret. I'm sure you talk about it all the time, that, uh, that there's just a lack of interest in the trades. So we primarily use heavy equipment operators from the operating engineers unions. We also have laborers and pile drivers, certainly uh, engineers and geologists. Uh, but those jobs are in demand. You know, we're competing with uh, oil and gas uh, here in Western Pennsylvania. So that's the traditional problem. And that remains the same. It's gotten worse in the last couple of years uh, since the pandemic. Uh, again, no secret there, but uh, it's everything now. It's equipment. You know, I used to be able to order equipment and I'd look three months out, maybe six months out. I'm looking at things a year out plus uh, for new equipment. Materials are constrained. And even if you have materials, uh, truck drivers, it, it's, it's hard to get your materials to your job site. So it's, it's all a problem. <laughs> what you're facing, the challenges that you're facing are no different than the industry as a whole. That's right. You know, so, okay, that, that's, that's an interesting component to this. Right. Yeah. So we're trying to ramp up in a, in a terrible time. As far as uh, dealing with DEP, is that, is that a challenge? Because when I talk to contractors and they're developing land sites, you know, traditional, you know, projects, there's always the topic of, oh, DEP is so slow on permits and, oh, that's such a hassle to deal with them. And how are they as far as AML projects? They're great. I really enjoy the DEP program, the AML portion of it here in Pennsylvania. They do a great job. They take a very, uh, the, the word partner is thrown around in construction and sometimes it holds true, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I, I think they really do a great job. And yet they have the inventory, like you said earlier. Yeah, they, they maintain the inventory. You know, they have in-house design for the most part. I, I do think that they do consultant some of their design and inspection work. But for the most part, everything's kept in-house with them. You know, they know the work. Pennsylvania, I should mention, is the biggest abandoned mine lands program in the nation. Uh, so they get the biggest chunk of the funding on an annual basis from, from this federal federal program. And, and what part of the state is, is there like, you know, the Northeast, the Southwest, where is it more prolific? Everywhere. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is a coal state, yeah. you know, so up in the Northeast, DEP has, a, has an office there in Wilkes Bar. They handle, it, it's basically the old anthracite region. So their their problems are a little bit different uh, than the western uh, the west rest of the state. Uh, there's an office in Evansburg that handles the west, and then there's also a office in Harrisburg. Uh, but uh, Western Pennsylvania very heavily coal mined out towards uh, as far east as 
Somerset, you're still, you know, getting into coal country. So it's, I mean, with the exception of maybe the south eastern part of the state, it's basically everywhere. So let me put you on the spot here. You ready for this? You've been at this, uh, I think you said 16 years. Can you tell us about your first AML project or your most memorable or your favorite AML project? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you my first mine grouting project, I was 18 years old and I worked as a laborer out in the field and it was in uh, Gibsonia, Pennsylvania. And uh, it was memorable in, in that I, I learned how difficult uh, concrete supply can be. But my first AML pro AML project. It was the it was the Freedom School in around Pittsburgh, just just uh, to the north and uh, uh, west of Pittsburgh. The Freedom High School. It had mine subsidence problems for years, dating back to the seventies. I think sometime in the eighties, they actually lost their entire swimming pool complex due to mine subsidence. And so at the time, the uh, program which I think was mo wasn't administered by the state at the time. It was uh, the feds. Uh, they did a uh, stowing project. So essentially they were just filling the old mine with stone uh, to try to prevent subsidence. And then fast forward some 20 some years, they were still having subsidence program uh, problems. So we came in with a drilling and grouting program. So instead of backfilling with stone, we backfilled with uh, cementitious material. Yeah, so that was my first. It was a challenging project. The mine was some 200 feet deep, which is on the deeper side. Uh, traditional rules of thumb would say that once you're over 100, 150 feet deep, mine subsidence becomes less of a concern. But uh, they were still having some really bad subsidence problems at 200 feet plus deep. So it was difficult drilling and uh, the voids were still massive and we didn't find much of the stone. <laughs> that was placed in the eighties. So where it all went, I don't know, but it wasn't, it wasn't in the mine, at least not where we were drilling. So to, to build off of that question, Frank, do you, do you go into, like when you go into a project you just mentioned, you couldn't, you know, you didn't find much of the stones. Do you go in there and be like, wait a second, something's supposed to be here. It's not. Now the project is completely changed and it's in the scope of work has changed. How do you handle something like that? I mean, in, in that in that situation, we weren't necessarily expecting to find it. I mean, they thought it would be there, but one way or another, we were putting grout in the ground. So it didn't tr change anything uh, too drastic for us. But certainly, you know, whenever you're dealing with drilling in the ground, geologic conditions, they change. They change all the time. They change what what you expected, you know, logs don't always represent what you find. So, you know, you, you have those traditional sort of change conditions kind of issues that you run into, you know, your experience teaches you what, what you need to do in, in different situations, depending on the ground conditions and what kind of drilling techniques you need to use. And you, you do your best to adapt. Is there any difference or could you maybe comment on the, on the type of ground and soil? in Pennsylvania compared to, you know, Cleveland and St. Louis? Is there a difference between the mines at all? Yeah, so Cleveland doesn't really have the mines too much. They have, you know, certainly we do a lot of work in Ohio. You know, they, they were heavily mined. Cleveland, not, not so much. So we haven't done too much drilling up there. But generally speaking, we're, we're talking about you know, sedimentary rock formations, you know, sometimes you're, you're in glaciated material, sometimes you're in alluvial, sometimes, you know, it, it changes. 
Pennsylvania is a great training ground for anything geologic because you see it all basically here. So, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's been beneficial that way. As far as your company, and you had mentioned, you know, workforce and some of the some of the other challenges that the entire industry faces. I would imagine that we've talked about it all on this podcast in the past, where you know, and, and you even mentioned it earlier, how the skilled trades is not a an option as much as it has been in the past. I can't imagine that there's a lot of people out there that are in high school and, and can say to themselves, "I really want to work on mine subsidence projects." So how does, and, and that, please don't take that as any offense to anybody. No, you know, not taken. It's but, absolutely true. You know, but how, how do you gain the experience that you talk about other than obviously going out and doing it? But are there programs around for people to help understand more about this from a, from a workforce perspective? No, there really isn't. You know, the, the DEP does a good job trying to educate homeowners about the risks that mine subsidence can cause to them and you know that they're part of their their authority is the insurance program that the state administers for mine subsidence victims but as far as workforce there's there's not anything out there typically what we're doing is we're finding people that have a generic interest in construction trades in general and then you know training them to our very sort of niche space and once you get them i'm sure you hang on to them absolutely <laughs> and they probably do they love it or what because it's something different you know yeah i i i think like anything you know we become nerds in uh what we do and we 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 get geeked out when we talk about you know mind voids and oh this one was this big or you know you know sticking a camera down the hole and seeing what we're encountering and you know grout and you know cementitious materials so yeah we get we get geeked out on it here well, you're going to get really geeked out with all this money coming in. So this is awesome. <laughs> That's a whole, That's right. whole different type of geeking out right there. Yeah, yeah. Is. Well, I, Frank, I want to thank you for joining us on the Building Paid Podcast. Really enjoyed this conversation. This was a really informative discussion. To be quite honest, with something that I didn't even know about. I, I'd heard of, you know, mine subsidence, but I, I, I didn't know the actual, I just figured you kind of just excavate over it and move on. So this has been eye-opening for, for me. But thank you again for, for joining us. And uh, we look forward to the next time we can have you on. My pleasure. Yep. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Frank. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.